0: We all deal with the Sunday Scaries, right? Sunday Scaries are those oh shit, stressful, nervous, can't sleep, dread feelings that hit you on Sunday evenings when you think about work or just freaking life. Unfortunately, you can feel that same pit in your stomach any day of the week. Thankfully, Sunday Scaries CBD gummies were made to defeat the crap that life throws at us. These are the perfect CBD gummies for professionals on the grind, super moms, students, party animals, and everyone in between. Look, I get really nervous before these interviews that we do. So I take two CBD gummies every Sunday before these interviews, and the Sunday Scaries are gone. I have no problem with these interviews. So we've partnered with Sunday Scaries to bring you an incredible offer. Head over to sundayscaries.com and use promo code DELUXE15 at checkout. To get 15% off of your entire order That's sundayscaries.com And use promo code DELUXE15 at checkout To save 15% off of your entire order Join host Dave Houghton and Sarah Palace As they examine the less glamorous side of sports With their podcast, In a Pickle Follow IAP Radio on social media By going to iapradio.com in Pickle is now part of the Den Network. For more information, go to IATRadio.com. This podcast is part of the Deluxe Edition Network. To find other great shows on the network, head over to Deluxe Network.com. That's Deluxe Edition Network.com.
1: How did you find that one? Where did you dig that one up from? But that's actually, that's a little disturbing now that I think about it. (laughs) I suggest maybe taking a couple of hits before, you know, might help.
0: Welcome to another episode of Deluxe Edition. I am your host, Casey Shearer. Joining me, as always, the last starfighter, L. Ray Sexton. What's going on, Casey? Not too much, buddy. How are you?
2: We're having a great day.
0: We are having a great day. The first of two episodes we are recording today. So let's get right into the house cleaning. And then I'm going to hand it over to Ray. We are a part of the Deluxe Edition Network. You can find all of the other shows on the network over at deluxeeditionnetwork.com. Podcasts of the month this month are the reigning and defending podcast of the year, Bev's Video Kingdom, and then Barrel-Aged Flicks, and we have the Kindness Matters podcast. Go check them out. They are all on deluxeeditionnetwork.com. If you like our show, you can go find all of the previous episodes over at deluxeedition.show. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash Email us over at deluxeeditionpod at gmail.com. Ray has been handling all the Instagram duties at deluxeeditionpod. If you'd like to support the show, go over to patreon.com slash deluxeeditionpod.
2: Ray? So, on this episode, our guest today is one of the nicest people to ever walk down the street in Hollywood, ever. Like, since the beginning of the world began, and Hollywood was a thing, she is one of the nicest people I've ever talked to. And her name is Catherine Mary Stewart, and you know her from The Last Starfighter, you know her from uh, uh, Night of the Comet, you know her from Weekend at Bernie's samurai cowboy if you saw that one and one of my all-time personal favorites dudes yeah this was a great episode man great
0: job on the interview ray handled the uh the duties for this one and uh yeah this was this was fun and she's still just as beautiful as ever
2: yep yep it was uh this is one of those times where i when i say it was our pleasure and i absolutely meant it (laughs) yeah
0: yeah, this was a fun episode. So uh, what do you say we get right into it, right? Let's do it.
1: Hi, fellas.
2: How's your Sunday going so far?
1: Good. Good. <laughs> Taking care of some... Well, I'm sitting here on the Outer Banks of North Carolina, which is just beautiful. And it's a beautiful sunny day. And uh, But I've been catching up on you know photographs and things like that. I have like 25,000 photographs in film. So that's what I've been doing.
2: What do you, are you uh, trying to put them in books? Like photograph books?
1: Um, uh, partly and partly. I'm, uh, yeah, digitizing. I don't know. It's just, uh, yeah. But I'm thinking of, I've got, <laughs> this is such a long and boring story, but yes is the short answer.
2: <laughs> right. So uh,
1: your faces. Yes. yes. Hey. How you doing? How are you guys doing? Where are you guys?
2: I'm in Cleveland where it's like okay. 10 degrees. Oh, God. So I am That's very crazy. jealous of uh, your beach vacation there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We're really lucky. It's it's, I guess it's like in the forties or fifties, but I have a brother who lives in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and it's 35 below there. So Jesus. I know it's just insane.
0: And, uh, yeah, I'm calling in from uh, Tallahassee, Florida, and it's, uh, it's even a little chilly here today. It was 38 oh, right? this morning. <laughs> oh yeah.
1: Yeah. It's 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 so yeah, crazy had...
0: here. It gets it's so cold in the morning and then like now it's 65.
1: Right. Yeah. By that time it gets freezing cold, right?
2: Yeah. Thank
1: All right. You. So uh, All
2: right. let's just get this one out of the way. We're looking at the 40th anniversary of both oh. Last Starfighter, and Night of the Comet.
1: That's correct. I guess that's right. I mean, it's so funny because I hardly ever (laughs) pay much attention to that stuff. But that's actually, that's a little disturbing now that I think about it. (laughs) 40 (laughs) years? Are you kidding me?
2: And it's it's become such... Both have become cult classics. Um, Yeah. Really cool.
1: Yes. I feel really lucky about that. But the weird thing is, I'm only like 5 years older. So explain that to me.
2: Uh some kind of loopy time continuum wormhole thing, I suppose?
1: Let's go with that one. Right.
2: And I I know you still talk to uh Lance Guest.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yes.
2: What have you guys been doing for the 40th anniversary of Starfighter?
1: <laughs> I guess that's is that this year? Or or yeah, yeah, it's this year.
2: Eighty-four to twenty-four.
1: Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're right. I was just trying to think what year this is. I'm so confused. Um, We haven't. I don't. I don't know. There's. I haven't heard any plans yet. But that's. I'm going to get on him because yes, we're still really, really good friends, and I'm still really good friends with Nick Castle. We do a lot of conventions together, um, which is so much fun. It's so much fun to see them again. Um, But. You know, that's a great point. We're going to have to really live it up. We're going to have to figure something out. I, the last time I sort of had a kind of last Starfighter celebration was the 25th anniversary. <laughs> yeah,
2: which... <laughs> which is also
1: something that doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. <laughs> um, and that was in Los a- They did a screening in Los Angeles and they had... Um, uh, I, I, actually, Lance wasn't there, but everybody else was there, and and all the technical guys were there, and I it was like a, an incredible learning experience for me because I, I had no idea what was going on behind the scenes technically with the CGI and everything, so that was that was very cool. So we did a screening and then a Q and A, and we all and uh, I learned a lot. <laughs> <laughs>
2: They're also talking about doing a sequel to this thing called The Last Starfighters, I believe.
1: Well, yes. They've been talking about a sequel for a while now. Jonathan Betchwell, the original writer, has he he sort of got possession of the script again. I, th- I guess it was Universal that had it for a long time. And um, there was this, after like a 30-year 30 period, 30 period, the writer, the original writer, gets the property back if they want it. So he took it back and I know, so he owns the rights to The Last Starfighter and I know he's written a sequel. I don't know what the title is exactly. I know he went through a period, if he's not still doing it, he went through a period where he was um, shopping it around. Ironically, even back to Universal. But um, I haven't, you know, I haven't, there was sort of a hoopla about it for a while there. Things kind of bubbled up, but I haven't heard anything about it for a while, but that would be so very cool because they also talked about the fact that Lance and I would be in it. Yeah. So that would be so much fun. <laughs> and um, I like the idea that Jonathan Betuel would be the writer because to me that it, it would sort of stick with the integrity of the script, you know, the, the, the sort of fear of, of, Producing a movie these days—that's a space odyssey kind of a movie—would be how crazy it would be technically CGI and whatnot. And it would, I think, one of the things that is so important about *The Last Starfighter* is it's—it's it's a sweet story, a, a relatable story, a story about a real kid and and all that he's been going through. So you know what I mean, as opposed to just making it some huge crazy sci-fi epic uh, hopefully it'll stick to something that people can relate to something that's human still
2: yeah uh night of the comet is kind of like that too because we went through all the you know nuclear stuff and the the fear of you know the end of time so to speak mm-hmm. so uh, do you and kelly stay in contact so maybe we could actually get a part two of that also
1: Absolutely. Oh, yeah. She and I are still really good friends, too. I live in New York and they both live in uh, Los Angeles. So, um, you know, when they come to New York or vice versa, we see each other. But uh, we definitely keep in touch. And she's another one that I do conventions with. Um, I've been in touch a lot with Tom Eberhardt, the director, writer of Night of the Comet recently. He's quite a character. So, yeah. That even has a history of, um, like, Kelly was trying to get ownership of the property, and she just couldn't do it. Tom has it again now. And there's he, I think, has sold it to someone somewhere to, to make a sequel or, or something like that. Um, hopefully, again, it will sort of stick with the integrity of the original, but we'll see. I, I get very nervous about sequels.
2: If, if they're written by the same people, that can be, like you said, a very good thing. But there are a lot of franchises with multiple writers, and it really does monkey with some of the main characters.
1: That's right. It, it, yeah, it just sometimes it, it just changes the whole feel of the thing, which would be a shame. I mean, I, you can't s- stick with it exactly the way it was, but like, Night of the Comet is such a unique um, show. Uh <laughs> you know, crosses so many genres. It's funny in its own sort of unique 80s kind of way. It would be a shame if, and in fact, when we originally shot it, the producers were hoping that we were making some horror flick, zombie horror flick. And and um, Tom was like, no, that's not what I'm doing. <laughs> I mean, there's some scary bits in it, obviously, I guess. That, yeah. um but you know, it, it it that's it that's what makes it so unique. And I also think, sort of, one of the reasons it's had the longevity that it has because uh, because it's so different and so weird and so wonderful. So again, I I'm always a little concerned about sequels, but we'll see. Yeah. You know, I I I think that Tom has put it out there to have a sequel made. I'm not sure that he would write it though. So
2: okay. Uh speaking of weird, uh we're just gonna, we're gonna get all the big ones out of the way first so we can talk about your other stuff. Uh <laughs> birdies. How yeah. much fun was that to make? And Terry on set had to you know play a dead guy. How many times did he mess up and laugh or <laughs> there's stuff, you, know?
1: you know he's such a consummate professional? He he was really he was really pretty good about not cracking up and it's not as though we all didn't try to get him to crack up at certain points. I mean, when, when they were shooting that scene where, um, the guys first see him at the beach house and he's sort of slouched over and they think that he's drugged or something. And they realize for the first time that he's dead, they do this whole scene around him. And it's, it is Bernie at times, obviously they were using a dummy because you couldn't possibly do that to a real human being, some of the things that they did. But um, in this case, it was him and he had to pretend he was dead, which means you have to keep perfectly still. Obviously, you can't breathe. You can't let your eyes flutter or anything like that. And so they did this whole scene with him. And then um, Ted Kotcheff, the director, was like, just keep it rolling. Keep it rolling. And, you know, he didn't say that. He just like this. So they kept it rolling and didn't say cut until Terry finally like exploded. He just had to take a breath. So in that case, we all laughed. I don't know that he was laughing, but I mean, yeah, it was, it was so much fun doing that movie. (sighs) Yeah. I, I had a gas.
2: All right. So we got all the big ones out of the way now. Um, (laughs) Let's let's talk for a minute about mischief. Set, okay, that's set in like the fifties, but yeah. uh, it's also filmed in uh, Nelsonville, Ohio.
1: That's Correct,
2: which I've, which I've been to. Which I recently rewatched that, and it's weird to see that town in the movie because it's like the same as it basically was then.
1: You yeah. know that place? You didn't live there.
2: I don't. I live in. I live just outside of Cleveland, but okay. I've I've okay. been there. I mean, okay. Got it. But Doug Doug said that he had a great time filming that and that all you guys were awesome because he had just turned 18 when that movie was filmed.
1: This is true. He was a a child.
2: Yes. And uh, for those who don't know, most of this movie is his character trying to get laid for the first time.
1: Trying to get laid, basically, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes, sure, indeed. Yeah. And yeah. And uh, he, you know, Kelly Preston was not a bad person to,
2: no, that's not not a, to go
1: through that with.
2: It's not a bad choice. <laughs> uh, but did, you did,
1: inter- did you interview Doug?
2: No, I saw it in a different wow. interview talking about mischief and it just stuck, oh, in, my okay. it just right. stuck in my head. It kind of just pegged because that's pretty cool. You know, you're 18 and you're on a movie set and so many good actors in that movie including yourself.
1: Yeah. Oh, well, thank you so much. That's very sweet. Yeah. I mean, well, he probably of all of us had the most experience in terms of movie making. He'd been an actor for years and years. The big one was, I guess, on Golden, on Golden Pond with Jane Fonda. Um, so, yeah, I mean, but turning 18 and doing that sort of a, a movie, it has its challenges too, I would think. <laughs> in certain ways
2: yeah but
1: that's
2: a that's a amazing movie uh i like that one. yeah i like that seeing all the cars and stuff that you guys were driving around you know
1: that i think that is one of those underrated movies and it's actually amazing how many people come up to me and say um that they saw it and how much they loved it it just i don't know why i think when it was released, it was released at a really strange time. It was, we shot it for 20th Century Fox, and they were changing hands, leadership. I mean, the original movie wasn't really necessarily about Doug's character trying to get laid. It was more of, um, you know, coming of age kind of a movie. So that was definitely in there, but uh, the stuff with Chris Nash and me was actually kind of more prominent so it was more of a tear jerking you know heart tugging kind of a thing um but when uh 20th century fox changed hands they decided to kind of go more the porkies route remember that movie porkies yeah so, the <laughs> so they kind of turned it into more of a, a sex romp and that i don't think was the well it wasn't the original intention um so that was a bit of and it wasn't called mischief it was called Heart and Soul um, and it was sort of autobiographical um, of the, the the writer so who grew up in the 50s. Um, but you know that but what I really love about that movie is not only did we have such a great time, just a, a bunch of young actors getting into trouble <laughs> but also um, I thought, I really felt like it was very authentic in terms of the
2: time period. Okay. Uh, Another one that's quirky that I actually enjoy is Samurai Cowboy.
1: Oh, my gosh. Which is actually
2: actually filmed where you're from, Alberta.
1: It is. It was filmed in uh, southern Alberta in a a park called Waterton Park, which actually extends into the States. But, yeah, and we shot that in the winter. It was freezing cold. (laughs) How did you find that one? Where did you dig that one up from?
2: I I know things.
1: I guess so. You're making me nervous. Yeah, now. I was
2: I was
0: actually looking for that one. I couldn't find I wanted to see that one.
2: Uh, I like I this. I week.
1: can find it.
2: It's uh it's about a a businessman from uh Japan whose friend has a heart attack so he decides he always wanted to be a cowboy so he's finally just going to go to Montana, become a cowboy and he makes friends with uh Catherine and Robert Conrad is also in this from The Wild Wild West. I love that show. So yeah, this is a fun one. It's uh it's it's fun because it's different. Mm-hmm. It's not like a shoot 'em up or a, you know, anything like that. It's just about somebody trying to live out their their dream.
1: Right, right. Yeah. He's this Japanese uh businessman who and i guess in japan you know there's a lot of pressure to work long hours and really really hard and and drink really hard afterwards there's lots of karaoke like in the opening sequences right and um, and uh sake drinking and things like that and yeah her, his best and they're both young and his best friend has his heart attack and that's yes that's what yeah. you were saying he has this realization that he can't he doesn't want to live like this and he has a fantasy of being a cowboy so that was sort of you know, fish out of water story. And then, and it was, for me, it was so much fun because I love horseback riding. I love the whole, I mean, growing up as a kid, I just loved cowboy movies. That was sort of my fantasy go-to thing. And so playing that out in a movie, it was so much fun. And we actually really did her, uh, we herded these cattle you know through the plains of Alberta we really did that it was so much fun I was like living a dream
2: did uh, did any of your friends or family from back home get to come to that set
1: yes my brother um John he knew the director somehow I forget how and so he came and visited the set um but yeah um I he was the only one living he was living in calgary at that time my parents were on the west coast of canada my uh, my other brother was in ontario so it, it wasn't exactly convenient for them to just pop down there but no that was really fun i mean like i said i'm just a huge horse person i love that stuff
2: when did you learn how to ride a horse how old were you
1: I was probably when I first climbed on a horse. I was probably about, um, I don't know, eight or ten. Wow! Yeah, and then when I was a kid, I went to this summer camp that was a it was called Pioneer Ranch Camp. So it was two weeks. Learning how to take care of horses, and we would do these campouts into the mountains and pitch lean tos. It was really horrible, actually. When I think about it. it, was oh man, we got it was summer, but again, Alberta in the mountains. At night, it would get so cold. I remember one time, and we just literally we put up these lean tos, which is nothing. And uh, one maybe every night, but I would just wear all the clothes that I possibly could find (laughs) because I was so cold anyway. Yeah. So I, I just always, I never owned a horse. Um, I never took like formal horseback riding lessons, but my parents knew how much I loved horses. So they, they kind of created scenarios where I could get on a horse and ride Western, always just Western.
2: That's cool.
1: Yeah. Very fun.
2: 1981,
1: Nighthawks. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: Sylvester Stallone, Billy D. Williams, Rucker Hauer, and Lisney Wagner all on that set. How much interaction did you get to have with those four?
1: Well, I, so Sylvester Stallone, he had, so I was living in London at the time. So I went from Edmonton to London, England. I was, before I got into the acting thing, I was a dancer. And when I was 18, I moved to London to train as a dancer. And that's where I got into my first movie. And then uh, The Apple, I don't know if you're going to go there, but we're sort of slowly going backwards here, I see. But I was still, I was cast in The Apple in London first. And then when I came back to, we shot it in, in Germany, when I came back to London uh, by then, I had an agent, and I auditioned for this small role in Nighthawks. And by the time, and it was shot in London. And by the time I was on the set, Sylvester Stallone—I forget who the original um, director was—but he was not happy with this guy, and so he took over the directing. So I got to meet him, which was well. He also auditioned me, so uh, me and a, a bunch of other girls were like. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty cool. And Rutger Hauer was the other one that I worked with. I didn't see Lindsay or Billy B. Williams or anything like that, but I worked directly with Rutger Hauer and he scared the crap out of me. He was so intense as an actor and he, he played this terrorist right in this movie. And, um, he just, uh, so, I play I play this um I guess perfume sales girl in this department store in London, and he kind of comes and seductively says something something to me about perfume, and I'm like,, no, I was <laughs> acting. He's scared. He's like, That's good anyway as and as he's tucking a bomb under my counter, so i I, I guess I forget I haven't seen that talk since so long, but. I think I was part of establishing what a horrible human being Rutger Hauer's character was by shoving a bomb, the sweet, innocent little, you know, perfume sales girl gets blown up by Rutger Hauer. One of my prouder moments. <laughs> yep. uh, but he was, he was, uh, I was so new to the business at that point. And so, um, Sylvester Stallone and Rutger Hauer were like the biggest movie stars I'd ever seen. And I ha- had not dealt with somebody who stayed in character the way he did before. So I was just like, it was fun words, of course. I mean, he's, he was an incredible, incredible actor. But it really was intimidating.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So let's jump, let's go back to 89 for a second. And you did a movie yeah. called Writing the Edge. Yes,
1: I did. It, this is so- an
2: action movie.
1: Yeah. And, and it was a lot of fun as well, actually, because it was, you know, I I played a lot of kind of girls next door and which is great. I mean, you know, you want to get employed and stuff like that. But the first movie that I did, which I felt like I could really relate to was sort of night of the comet where I got to be kind of rough and tumble and do my own stunts and, you know, wield a gun and all that. That was, I really feel like that's more who I am. So I really do gravitate to, to these uh, movies that are sort of a, a woman who kind of has control, you know, she's like a strong sassy. And I think also, uh, well, anyway, so um, in riding The Edge, um, uh, that's what drew me to that particular thing. And plus, back in the day, you really got to travel a lot for movies. This was shot in Israel, which was incredible. It was an incredible way to get to see Israel. And i it's funny that you mentioned that because I told you I'm going through photos and things like that. I i came across some photos from Riding the Edge. And Raphael Sabarge and I are still in touch. Mm-hmm. So sort of, we sort of get in these roundabout ways, reconnect, and mostly, I guess, through social media, which I love. I just love that part about social media. But I, I found these Polaroids of he and I. They used to take, like for wardrobe and things like that, they would take Polaroids of you because they could have the instant picture. Now, of course, you can just do that on your phone. But I had a, I had two Polaroids. One was, it, it was titled before the shoot and then put a date. And then the second one was after the shoot and I put the date. <laughs> and it's it's funny because we're just like, you know, the, before the shoot, like that. And then the one of after the shoot, you're a little like, uh, and he's, he's, he's kind of kissing me on the forehead and everything, but he was like, we, I got super sick while I was there and he was super worried about getting super sick. So it, it was a lot of that going on, but we had a, we had a great time. It was so much fun. What,
2: uh, what's a destination that you haven't filmed in yet that you'd like to go to for free?
1: <laughs> so many, you know, I, 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 in my life, I've been fortunate enough to enough to do a lot of traveling. So that's cool. One place I've never been to is Japan. That might be very, very cool to go to. Um, when I was a kid, my dad was a marine biologist and so we went to Australia and he did some work on the Great Barrier Reef. We were there for about eight months. I loved Australia so much. So if there was an excuse for me to go back there to film or something, yes, I would do that. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I think Japan would be very cool because I've never been there.
0: Hmm, I've always wanted to go to Japan, too.
1: Yeah. It it seems like such a fascinating place. I mean, the history, just everything about it just seems so fascinating to me.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't mind going there because I would be tall. I'm only 5'8", so in Japan... (laughs) You know, I'd be as big as Casey is here. <laughs>
1: you would be so intimidating and yeah. stuff.
2: <laughs> Just drink some sake and start flexing on people. That'd be great. I know, right? Yeah. Uh, one, of, I, one of my all time favorite movies is Dudes. And I absolutely love this movie. I talk about it all the time. I tell everybody that's the movie I would start with for. Everybody in Roebuck, you, Leaving, the whole cast, Lee, John Cryer. If somebody asked me what's a movie I would recommend for any of you guys, I always say dudes because I love that. Even Casey, I did that to him. Yeah.
1: Is that right? Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's a great movie.
1: Isn't it fantastic? And Penelope who's who directed it she did the decline of Western civilization. I think that sort of put her on the map with, and she used leaving and she uses she reuses a lot of people. She's, she was such a character, such a nice person. Um, they did a retrospective of her movies at UCLA. She graduated from UCLA and John and Daniel and a bunch of other people were there. We did the Q and a Q&A afterwards. But I love that movie, too, because it's just so weird. You know, it's just such a weird concept. And I just think we need more of those. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, what it, it's, it's great. And again, a character that I got to play where she gets to ride horses and and shoot guns. And I had to learn how to do that whole shooting thing. And I twirled it and put it in my holster, learned how to do that. And then I get to, you know, ride full out across a field where I, at the end of that shot, it was, it was a very, very long shot. And, and um, back then they shot with film. So very expensive to shoot long shot, wanted to do it in one take. So I just ride full out towards the camera and I'm supposed to just exit right past the camera, camera left or whatever. And somebody had um, come on the set and parked, we were in the middle of nowhere, parked their Jeep right behind the camera where I was supposed to exit. And I saw it as I was coming up on it, but I thought, oh, I'll just, you know, as soon as I get past the the, um, camera, I'll just pull the horse off to the left and we'll be fine. Well, the horse wouldn't respond to me pulling off. He just stopped. And I didn't. I just kept going. And I went right into that uh, Jeep and I crushed my arm. I had to go to the hospital. I broke my ulna. Um, I didn't realize that I, it didn't hurt that much until they were like, Yeah, you better, because it looked pretty violent, I guess. <laughs> Somebody flying through the air. <laughs> um, they should have caught that on film. And, but as, when I went to my trailer to change, I, I, it was my right arm. I put my right arm on the counter, and just the pressure, <gasps> it exploded. And, uh, yeah, I, I just, it was a clean break through the, the bone. So <laughs> I fortunately had only like two more days of, um, filming to do. And they put like a removable cast on my arm and gave me tons of drugs. <laughs> and so that was, that was a good couple of days. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Where did you guys film that one at?
1: Um, <laughs> It was either New Mexico or Arizona,
2: because there's a lot of beautiful scenery in that. that mm. I mean, obviously, I, once, once you get out of the city part, where they're up on the fire escapes and stuff, you get out into the yeah,
1: yeah,
2: yeah, yeah,
1: yeah uh, Yeah, it was. It, I mean, I could look it up if you want, but it was it was New Mexico or Arizona. I forget which now. That, but it that, was oh, it was beautiful.
2: Yeah, that's close and, enough.
1: <laughs> yeah and and again that just so kind of catered to my fantasy of being a cowboy you know or cowgirl i guess cow person
0: <laughs> yeah that movie when when i, I went into that and I, I i knew nothing about it Ray ray told me about it and uh yeah i was like oh, okay this is gonna be like a, a regular road trip movie and i've guys yeah. going across the whatever and then it was i was like wow this this took a turn <laughs> yeah. and it was, yeah. but it was and it was awesome it was a great movie and we actually are scheduled to talk with uh daniel in a, a few <gasps> weeks so, oh yeah.
1: please send him my love again I, i've been in touch with him off and on he's out making his own movies now he just yeah but he's he is one of the sweetest people you'll ever want to meet i i adore him so is john i mean again uh, we've we've sort of periodically been in touch and i I, i'm so grateful that we have been in touch you know because they're really super nice people
0: yeah yeah another actually another interview we have coming up from that movie that i was interested as hell in uh the person is pete wilcox he played uh the dare delvis in that movie
1: yeah (laughs) he was at the screening at ucla (laughs) yeah well that would be kind of fun
0: Yeah. He was like, he, he texted me and he's like, I hope I'm going to be interesting enough. I was like, you've been playing another person for 65 years. I was like, I think it'll be pretty interesting.
1: Oh my gosh. That's going to be so much fun. That'll be fun for sure. Yeah. The other weird movie that I did around the same time was called world gone wild. Did you see that one?
2: I have not seen that one.
1: I stumped you. Yes. But I am going to write
2: it down so that, uh, I'm going to write that World down. World Gone
1: Wild, Adam yeah. Ant, uh, Michael Perret, uh
2: Bruce. Oh, wait a minute. You played, uh, I know this one. You played Angie.
1: Yes, I did. I have really?
2: seen this. As soon as you said Adam Ant, I remembered.
1: That's right. That is another really weird, crazy movie, but I love it. I think it's really cool.
2: Yeah, that's a good movie. It's fun. Um,
1: yeah. The, oh, so you have seen it
2: kind of like uh scenes from the gold mine
1: uh also has
2: lee Ving in it i'm a big lee Ving frank so fan so yeah um um
1: yeah
2: you get to play good. a little that's another uh kind of a it's more of an action movie i guess which one scenes from the gold mine
1: oh so, uh,
2: i don't so, remember uh, that one as well no, as some of these other ones
1: World, World Gone by Bruce Stern, I was trying, I, for some reason, oh, slipped cool. out of my head because he's, <laughs> and I had to like remember because he was so funny just working with him. Uh, such a good actor. Anyway, another, it, it, I've been so lucky to work with some really very interesting people. Scenes from the Gold Mine was a movie about, um, it's about rock and roll. And this girl who joins a band, and
2: yeah, I got got that mixed up when you were just talking about. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Yeah, I've seen this. I I
0: just watched this Scenes from the Goldmine. This is a good one. Joe Leone, right? Alex Rocco, (sighs) Melissa Etheridge is in there somewhere. I couldn't find her at all.
1: uh, Well, she wrote some music. I got to sing one of her songs, got to meet her as well. She and I were friends for a long time. We sort of lost touch when I moved to New York, but um, brilliant, of course. Uh, Yeah, an incredible cast. Uh, Mark Rocco, Alex Rocco's son, was the director. Uh, But, but, you know, one of the things I love the most about this business is I get to live vicariously through these characters. And being a rock and roll person for a little while was... (laughs) it's like a dream come true. I'm, 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 I love singing, just belting out songs. I'm not really very good at it, but that has never stopped me.
0: (laughs) So that Um, was you, that was you singing? It was me
1: singing. It was me singing. How about Um, playing the
0: keyboard? Was that you playing the keyboards?
1: That was me playing the keyboard. I did a little, yeah, it wasn't that complicated, but, um, (laughs) I did learn piano. i Took piano lessons for about five years as a kid. So I had some familiarity with it. And again, it's not super complicated. It's not Beethoven or anything like that. Sure. But no, oh my God, so much fun. Cracks me up looking at it though, because it was sort of the ultimate 80s time period rock and roll. So the hair couldn't be big enough. I mean, it, it, it's almost ridiculous. I sort of look like a bunch of clowns, really. Even the guys look crazy but um uh s- s- such a gas so much
0: fun so uh during that movie there was a lot of drug use in the in that movie behind the scenes like that your partner was getting into into drugs and stuff did you notice any of that like going on in hollywood at all like were there people like getting like getting out of control and stuff with that stuff
1: oh at that time i think it was running rampant in hollywood yeah lots and lots of drugs I, however, <laughs> so innocent. yeah, I wasn't a huge drug person. Though, and I wasn't a huge party person. So, but no, it was, it was pretty bad at that time for sure.
0: Yeah. And I looked up that Alex Rocco after watching that movie, cause I knew he looked familiar. He was from the Godfather, yes. man, that guy's story. He was like an actual mobster, <laughs> like arrested for murder. and Like that. he played your father in that movie, right?
1: yeah 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 Yeah. my father one of the nicest people you'll ever want to meet as well but yeah he's got i guess he's got quite a sordid history but uh, yeah he he had he he had quite
0: a history he got he was arrested for murder all kinds of stuff and then just up and moved to hollywood and became an actor
1: (laughs) i don't know if i knew that about him i made it might have made me a little bit nervous but um, (laughs) no he was uh he was a really really good guy
2: awesome very cool. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you got any other questions there, Casey? Uh
0: not about not about the scenes from the gold mine, no.
2: I mean, just in general. We're just jumping around, having some fun. Yeah, let's on, talk on
0: about the game. Apple a little bit. Uh, we have Woo! a we have a fan question here actually about the Apple from uh we, we run a podcast network called the Deluxe Edition Network. And Tim from the Friends Talking Nerdy podcast. Uh, said, I have to ask you about working with former Canon Films kingpin Menahem Golan on his film The Apple. He seems like one of the last real pirate pirates of the film industry.
1: <laughs> yeah, that they have. There's been. I just actually uh, talked and was interviewed for another documentary about. Golan Globus, so Menachem is and, and Yoram were cousins that started this uh, company. It, it first was um, Yoram Globus, and then they they bought Canon Films, and um, the Apple actually was one of the very very first movies that they did, and they were really hoping that it would would kind of establish them in Hollywood. Uh, I'm not sure that it worked, but. <laughs> He was a really interesting character, for sure. Um, he was a huge filmmaker in Israel. Very, very well-known. Huge success there. So then he he wanted to you know move to Hollywood and become successful there. He had a few hit and misses. Hit and, misses and then he became like the king of sequels. He would do all these sequels. The entire budget would go into... Sylvester Stallone or whoever was the, uh, um, Charles Bronson, whoever was the lead, they, they would pay them a ton of money. And then they would make these uh, um, sequels for next to nothing. Um, and then he became known for selling movies at film festivals like Cannes or someplace before they were even made, just selling people on a concept. And they got quite, you're, uh, Yoram and and Menachem got quite a uh, reputation in Hollywood for their way of um, just the whole making movies. They made a ton of money, but they just would just crank them out, crank them out, crank them out. When we did um, The Apple, like I said, they were hoping that it was going to sort of break them into the movie industry in America because at the time it was like i think we shot in 79 actually and there were a lot of um sort of rock musicals at that time like um i don't know a bunch of tommy
0: um, the the who right tommy, tommy was coming tommy, out around that time. That kind
1: of thing rock musicals disco musicals all sorts of stuff and um they they were trying to tap into that and they thought they had clinched it with sort of a um Adam and Eve kind of story. So they sort of brought in kind of this weird religion thing and then this kind of tongue in cheek thing and then this amazing musical score. They had the London Symphony Orchestra on the track. I think that's who it was. Um, Some incredible musicians and singers. Um, But it my theory is there was just like a little chip missing in terms of Israeli sensibility in movie making (laughs) and Hollywood. Um, So, you know, it didn't do what they hoped it would do, but they got them in, you know, I mean, it didn't get them in. They just kept at it and started just cranking out movies.
0: Sure. Was that, and that was you singing in that one as well?
1: Well, it was not. (laughs) So that's when I was living in London and I was going to this um, performing arts school, primarily dance, but I was also doing singing and um, acting and a bunch of stuff. So I had quite a good foundation going into my first feature film. (laughs) And they actually set me up with a singing coach. I had been taking singing lessons. They set me up with a singing coach, but they just it, the people that I was working opposite were professional singers, generally. And George Gilmore just,
0: was your partner, right? From the Bow mm-hmm. Weevils, that was his only movie, right?
1: <laughs> it was his only movie. Yeah, I think he gave up acting after that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, uh, I, an actor named Alan Love, who was also a big uh, singer, um, Grace Kennedy, who was an incredible performer and singer. She had a a variety show in England for a while after that. Um, They just felt like my voice wasn't strong enough or, and I frankly had to agree with them. Um, They brought in somebody named Mary Highland. She was kind of a session singer in LA and she was fantastic. She was fantastic. And I felt like also that our voices weren't too far apart. You know, I mean, I think it worked
0: sure yeah it was uh i mean it's definitely a weird movie but uh it's it's a lot of fun for sure
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) i suggest maybe taking a couple of hits before you know
0: (laughs) might help oh yeah you don't have to worry about that i'm constantly (laughs) stoned (laughs) oh good (laughs) Uh, let's see it's a very
1: strange it's it's put together really weirdly the end is just nuts. It's, uh, you know, but what the heck? I I loved every second of it. I loved every second of being on the set. I mean, Menachem was quite a character. He could, this was his like little treasure piece. And boy, if you didn't do what he wanted, he could lose his temper. One time, let's tell you this quick little story. This was my very first movie. I'd never done anything like this before. And you get call sheets every day, which sort of lists um, where you're supposed to be, when and what scenes you're going to be shooting and all that stuff. And we were shooting in Berlin, Germany, and I didn't see my name on the call sheet. So I went out and spent, this is before the wall was down. So it was West Germany and, I mean, West Berlin and West Berlin was like a crazy place. It was lots of stuff going on. So I went out the the night before this day. <laughs> And just stayed out all night partying and having fun. And I got back to the hotel at like seven thirty in the morning, and some ad was running around freaking out that I um, that that I wasn't there for the pickup to take me to the studio. And I'm like, I'm not working today. Yes, you are. Oh, that was a bad day. So I get there and I'm late, and Menachem came down to the um, makeup room, and he's like, "You are never pay this business." like he had this voice with this accent and it was just like (sighs) and it was interesting because it it kind of scared me but I wasn't that like upset about never working in the business again because I never had before and I really hadn't made all these life plans to be in the business so it was like oh that's a drag I guess (laughs) you know (laughs) but he did kind of intimidate me I have to say he was so mad at me. Anyway.
2: <laughs> you did. A, hey, you did 150 episodes of Days of Our Lives.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: How was that schedule? Like they do that every day. Just. Oh, did you ever get God. yelled at on the set of that show for not knowing what you're supposed to do?
1: Oh God, that was that was hard work, man. I um. When I got on that show, yeah, so, you know, if you think about a movie that's an hour and a half, two hours long, it takes a couple of months to film, maybe six, 4 let's say, depending on the budget, four to eight weeks to film for an hour and a half, two hours. And on a soap opera that's an hour long, you're doing one every single day. So if you have a strong storyline, you might have to memorize like 50 pages of dialogue. and that. Was I don't know how people do it. I just I'd never got into the the rhythm of it. I found it very very challenging all the time. I mean, it was a great experience. I I introduced this character called Kayla Brady, uh, who went on to become this iconic character on Days of Our Lives. After I left, <laughs> <laughs> uh, unceremoniously, they had me moving into a new apartment and I sort of was talking to my um, roommate who I was moving into the apartment with, I'm just going to go up and check the bathroom. (laughs) Never came out. (laughs) But I really, I found that experience very, very challenging, but it was, it was a great learning experience and um, everything else, like cake after that
0: we've talked to a few uh people who've worked Pat- patricka darbo who worked on uh i can't remember the the show she was on but like yeah she said the exact same thing like it's it's hard work a lot different than filming a movie
1: so different and also they really hate it hate to take like more than one take so if you screw up i mean you're screwed <laughs> And I, I screwed up fairly often. Uh, Yeah. I didn't last that long on that show. I lasted like two years. Um, But then, but the nice thing about that for me was I transitioned immediately to the last starfighter. In fact, there was a point where the two shows overlapped. I was shooting the last starfighter at night and days of our lives during the day. So I I had a very smooth transition, so I was really, really lucky.
0: Nice.
2: Yeah. I think uh, you are one of the nicest people I've ever talked to. I think that's why so many people are still in your lives, in your life, after all these movies and everything. Uh, We really do appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. Uh, Thank you.
1: Thank you, guys.
2: Yeah, I don't know what's what's better—that you're so nice or that your movies are so good.
1: <laughs> I'll take them both. Love yeah. that? It. <laughs> and just as That's beautiful very, as very ever. Kind of you. Yep. Oh, thank you, thank you very much. Yeah, I'm hoping you know it's been such a weird few years with the pandemic, and then um, then the strikes, and uh, I'm just hoping 2024 there'll be. It's already you can really feel. The, the work of things picking up and auditions and things like that. But hopefully um, it'll pick up again and will actually work again. And I'm also, you know, uh, very, very interested in doing some more directing. I've done a little bit of directing. I love, I love, love, love directing. So I'm I've been developing a project for that and yeah, we'll see. It'll be an interesting year.
2: Yep. Let everybody know where they can find you. Uh, social sure. media.
1: Oh yeah. I, uh, I'm on, um, uh, I'm on, um, Instagram under Catherine Mary Stewart, uh, Facebook, Catherine Mary Stewart. I have a website, Catherine Mary Stewart.com. I'm on, what is it? X Twitter. I guess my yeah. handle or whatever you call it is CMS, which is Catherine Mary Stewart, CMS, A L L. Or if you just hashtag Catherine Mary Stewart, it should come up. Um, what else? I'm on LinkedIn. (laughs) And, you know, I try to, uh, I try to stay on there as I'm on there as much as I can. I'm not great at it, but just to let people know uh, what's going on. Cause I do have, I'm telling you, I've got this great diehard gang of fans that, you know, follow me. So I, I really feel like, and after all, the only reason I'm here is because of the audience. So I really try to do my best and keep everybody up to date. And I'll put this on my website. I'll of course I'll share it on social media and things like that. So I hope I hear from people. I would love to hear from everybody.
0: Awesome. And you're also uh, doing a little thing on eBay too. Get about that at all, right? (laughs) Well, I I had a suggestion for that. I had a suggestion for you for eBay because I I couldn't find anything on your on your website. Uh, or on, on your eBay, but you should do like, uh, signed photos or I know you do a lot of the conventions and stuff, but maybe, uh, maybe think about that.
1: Right. So the reason I started eBay is because I have like 30 years worth of things in, in, um, storage units and things that I just will never use again. And some of them it's really great. I mean, I've used it in the past and maybe that will attract people, but um, I haven't started doing things like, you know, photos or, or paraphernalia or things like that yet on eBay. But um, you can get a signed uh, autograph from the website. You just have to go over to the fans drop down section and uh-huh. it'll, it'll lead you to how you order photos. So you can definitely Great. do that. Um, but I'm, I'm actually looking forward to getting through all the I don't know if you've checked out my eBay things. People tease me all the time. (laughs) Some of this stuff is just so random. But um, I'm looking forward. I think I'll probably do a lot more paraphernalia type stuff on eBay eventually once I get through all this other junk that I've been. It seems like it's been like six months just chipping away at these things that collect up after yeah know, I, i'm in the same years. boat i have
0: over right over here on this wall i have a bunch of stuff that is also listed on ebay as well so
1: oh is that right okay yeah yeah, yeah. it's it's hard to keep up with all that stuff but yeah please come visit ebay and that's under very Catherine mary if you go to ebay look i think if you type that in it's i'm pretty new on ebay actually so
0: We'll post um, all the links to everything too in the Okay, that would so. be
1: fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And there's some there's some cool stuff. And actually I have a bunch more things that I'm gonna be putting on eBay. I'm not in I live in New York. I'm not there right now. But when I get back, I'll be putting a whole bunch more stuff
0: on there. So Cool. Yep. Thank you so much, Mary. catherine
1: Thank, thank you. Sorry. And happy New Year, you guys. And I'm yeah, so happy pleased to have been able to talk to you.
2: No, it is our pleasure. pleasure so much.
1: Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye.